Good morning, Great Connections listeners. Uh, today I've got a bit of a different episode for you. I wanted to share a few different updates. We also were going to have a one-on-one interview today, but due to some scheduling things, that had to change. However, overall, I've got some big announcements about just uh, the series in general and some of the things we'll be doing this year. And recently, I also had the opportunity to go car shopping with my mom, who's looking for a new uh, car to replace her current Mercedes. So I'll get to that in a second, but I just wanted to share the updates. And that's going to be the majority of this episode today. Uh, I learned a lot. I mean, I've dealt with dealerships and car sales over the years quite a bit, but I, I think my most recent experience, especially since she was looking to buy something electric, is just uh, was a really interesting one that I want to share with you. And then I also just had some other updates. Um, but first, I think the big thing is, uh, traditionally, I've been releasing these episodes every Tuesday. And I also want to just say my apologies if I sound a little congested. Unfortunately, I kind of sinus cold from someone, but uh, hopefully it's not coming through too much. And as you might notice, I'm at a different location than usual. So I'm actually uh, currently staying and kind of helping some people with something for a few days, but wanted to get this episode out anyway. So this is more of a one-off episode. Uh, follow following episodes will be back to kind of the normal location and normal audio and video setups. But overall, I'm going to be moving, I think, uh, the release date for a lot of episodes moving forward to Wednesdays. Uh, currently, they come out every Tuesday, but just with usually logistics and editing and scheduling, uh, having it be released Wednesday mornings would actually just, I think, be a lot easier for me to manage. I'm hoping that this year uh, we're definitely getting a lot of interest, not just in listeners, but people wanting to be on the show. I'd really like to get to a point where we do maybe every Wednesday is a one-to-one episode and then Thursdays would be a uh, more of a panel interview. So ideally, I'd like to actually be doing two episodes a week, one of each style. So if you know of anyone that's interested in being on the show, please reach out to them and then uh, reach out to us. And it's just guests at connectingthegrid.com. Uh, we're going to be changing that email uh, as well, but for now, I'll still I'll continue to get emails there. But it, uh, if you know of anyone, or if you just have recommendations of people you'd like to have me reach out to, or even topics to cover, just email me or reach out to Twitter. And once again, that email is guests at connectingthegrid.com. So, yeah, we'll be moving to Wednesdays, and I, I think with just the momentum we're seeing, it might even be, it might still, it's probably still a few months out, but even start releasing two episodes a week, which I think would be awesome. Um, With that update out of the way, I just wanted to share kind of a quick overview of some of the things I'll be talking about today. And then if this isn't for you, totally understand, but it's been a really interesting experience. So the majority of today is going to be talking about my recent experience, probably over the course, I guess actually over the course of three days, uh, helping my mom buy a new car to replace her current car, which is a maybe 120 to 130,000 mile uh, 2012 Mercedes GLE. It's a beautiful car. She got it used originally, one owner, and it was pretty much fully loaded, but um, it was kind of wild because I think she paid just under 40 and it would have been close to probably a six figure, uh, maybe at the very least 80 to $90,000 car back then, even when it was new. So it's been a great car. And honestly, it's just the fact that it's kind of getting up in miles. It's had some minor things needed, like just headlight replacements, but I think even one of those was like 1100 bucks. So it's getting to that point of diminishing returns, and which is the miles on it, she's looking to uh, return it. And she's had it for almost a decade as it is anyway. So she's usually really good about uh, keeping her cars for a long time. 
So I think it's going to be a thing that kind of works out for her anyways. And she's kind of accepted the fact that she's probably going to be spending more money, <laughs> uh, probably the most money she's ever spent on a car for this one. And so she, we looked at quite a few different options. Uh, her big thing is she wanted it to be electric. And I'll tell you kind of more about how we even kind of dabbled with maybe not doing that and even looking at a couple um, traditional, as you will, uh, combustion engine vehicles, but we eventually landed back on electric. We still actually haven't uh, made the final decision as to what she wants, but we do have it down to two vehicles. Uh, the other kind of interesting thing is in this process, I was able to swing by a, uh, we ended up going to two different Tesla dealerships. Uh, here in the Portland area, and uh, at one of them, they not only had the new Tesla Model 3 Highland, but they actually had the new Cybertruck. So I want to share some of our thoughts on that, because that was kind of a surprising um, experience, and overall really positive. And then the final thing is, recently I decided, just with some of the stuff I've seen online, and just kind of general curious about the uh, curiosity about the space, I actually decided to sign up again for uh, full self-driving Tesla's full self-driving beta through our car and doing just the monthly thing. I didn't spend the $12,000. Um, I used it a year ago. I found it really fascinating. I still didn't think it was ready for prime time by any means. Um, it has definitely improved. I still think it isn't ready. But some of the stuff and things I've been hearing about uh, version 12, I just wanted to kind of get a good baseline again for it. And hopefully when that gets rolled out, if it does get rolled out in the next month or two, um, I'm really curious to see how that works. Just, I've always thought whether it's Tesla or a different company, that seems the most likely as the version to, or a, a big component of what would become a truly full self-driving vehicle. So I'll talk more about that as well, but, uh, just at a high level, yeah, the majority is going to be about, uh, car shopping experiences and some of the brands we dealt with and cars we came across, um, some of the things that we saw with, uh, doing that, like the Cybertruck and others the FSD, uh, doing, trying, testing that again. And then finally, I was going to also share, uh, unfortunately, it seems like every year now, um, my car gets a big rock chip in it. I mean, I drive about 25 to 30,000 miles a year and I drive a lot in rural Oregon. So even though I give people a lot of space, rock chips happen pretty fre uh, frequently. And unfortunately my windshield cracked again. So I was just going to kind of give a quick update about that. And I haven't posted yet, but I'll be sharing videos of recent drives on FSD and just kind of for people who might be curious or um, people who don't know, just I've recorded what it takes to actually submit a service request for getting the windshield replaced. And I, I have to admit, this is such a really interesting way to do these things. I think maybe the Teslas, the Rivians, and some of the startups of the world can do it, but it would be a struggle for any car that uses traditional dealerships. Not that it couldn't be done. I think it's just they're usually so fragmented between brands and locations that to have this kind of uh, seamless experience would be hard. And I know it's the comparison is made a million times, but it is very similar to Apple's ecosystem and platform versus, like, a, I mean, Samsung's probably a better one too, but just the fact that you can go to an Apple store and stuff like that and have it all taken by one company. So, to kick it off, um, let's get into uh, the majority of today's conversation, which is around the car shopping experience that we had. So originally, uh, I kind of spoke with my mom, and she has a very well-equipped Mercedes. I mean, even though it's a 2012, it had ventilated seats, it had night vision, it had all sorts of crazy things. And majority of the time, she doesn't really use them. And admittedly, um, she tries not to drive at night anymore either. So 
she had kind of a list of a few things that were really important to her. And to be honest, they're now things that are, I would say, in premium vehicles. But there are also just luxury components that in this process she discovered that she really liked. And overall, just I think she's appreciated the Mercedes um, experience from a dr uh, driving in the car. But she's really been impressed. Now, this isn't the first dealership she went to. Uh, but now she really does enjoy when she's ever had service issues, taking it to this one specific Mercedes dealership. Um, she's just had a consistently positive experience. And that was one of the things that she really liked and kind of attracted her to staying with the Mercedes brand uh, and put the Mercedes EQE at the top of her list to uh, replace her GLE Mercedes um, because it is similar size and similar things overall. Just Obviously, their electric platform. Um, but we were kind of talking about that. She had gone to the dealership. She'd already test-driven it. And she was pretty sold on it to begin with. But she just wanted to see what else was out there. She didn't really like the idea of having to deal with CCS or a non-Tesla. Uh, and I guess to give further context, my stepfather has a Tesla Model X. I want to say 2019 or 2020, maybe. Um, it's a newer one, but it's not... Uh, it's one of the later ones before the refresh. And personally, uh, I've driven a few different Model Xs. I, to be honest, just don't really like theirs. I just feel like it makes a lot of noise. There's a lot of issues with it. And to be honest, um, he is a contractor, so he does beat it up quite a bit. His, uh, he has two trucks that he uh, uses for work. Uh, one's an F-350, I mean, and he's a working contractor, so he uses those quite a bit. But he tries to use the Tesla as much as he can. And one of the big things, too, is it did qualify for supercharging. So he isn't bothered by the sound. He likes the fact that he doesn't have to pay, especially because he has free supercharging. Uh, and then the fact that it's electric. But realistically, he just doesn't uh, get to use it. He uses it quite a bit, but he uh, the reality of his job means he still has to drive his trucks quite a bit. Um, coincidentally, he has a reservation for a Cybertruck, and he's still excited for it, even as a contractor. But I think what's interesting was my mom likes the idea of going electric, but she is definitely much more, uh, I would say, not technology adverse, but just she kind of prefers more of a traditional driving experience. And so while she thinks a lot of the things that Tesla is doing is great and she likes the charging and a lot of the other stuff, sometimes the actual car experience being so fully digital and focused in the uh, minimal button, so focused on the main infotainment screen really isn't something that she's really into or excited about. So from an early start, her focus was really on going to more of uh, probably kind of a more traditional vehicle or less electric, a electric vehicle with a more traditional driving and car experience. So that's Consistently, what kind of had the Mercedes at the top of the list, she just didn't like the CCS. Um, and that, even though I did kind of share with her if she waits here, that should change. And she actually kind of came around to the idea. like, well, if I can get an adapter and start using it sooner, that's not ideal, but that should be fine. That shouldn't hold her back. The main issue she had with it was when she bought her current Mercedes, she had actually been looking uh, between it and a Range Rover Sport at the time, I believe. And both were very uh, beautiful vehicles. This They were both used. One was brown and the Range Rover Sport was this, I want to say beautiful blue, but it could have been a, their metallic green. And ex uh, exterior looks wise, she was leaning towards the Range Rover, but technically 
the Mercedes was better equipped, and it still was a really beautiful brown metallic, which she liked. And in the end, she's kind of happy she went with it, but she's always wanted a Range Rover. So that is something we kind of go down as we uh, go th through this uh, experience. I'll share a little bit more about that later, too, looking at Range Rover again. But one of the things that stood out to her a lot was just on the road, we, we kept seeing Rivians. And so when I came up to work and uh, more or less really spent a couple days to test drive these vehicles with her, uh, Rivian was kind of at the top of the list. We both enjoyed the exterior. I hadn't been in one in quite a while, and I really hadn't been in an R1S. So we were both kind of excited, like, yeah, let's try something different. We loved the boxy exterior of the R1S. Um, and then we got there, and the interior was really great, too. The location of the Portland... Rivian dealership, um, I wouldn't say is, it's not necessarily bad. It's kind of easy-ish to get to because it's near 405 and I-5 and a few other things here in the Portland area. Um, but it's pretty close, if people know, to like Southwest, I believe, I want to say Southwest first. Um, that doesn't sound right, but it's really close to PSU. And so while it's kind of easy to drive to, the downside was uh, they had fences up all around, even though the Rivian... I guess you want to call it service center dealership itself was really nice and really beautiful. They had kind of temporary fences all around it because there were quite a few, um, unfortunately, just homeless people kind of around there. And for security reasons, they had the fences up. So that's kind of the downside to it. But the actual location was really nice and they had quite a few cars there. But that that's what kind of got us interested. We thought like, okay, it's uh, derivative of the kind of Tesla experience by it being all one company. It's newer. And she had enjoyed kind of working with Tesla and doing that stuff in the past. He was a little hesitant just because they were newer, <laughs> um, and I think they're going to be successful as a company, but just with the current markets and everything, in a lot of ways, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty with a car company, a uh, newer car company. And so we decided, though, to take the test drive. The person we went with on the test drive, forget his name, I think I have it somewhere, but uh, overall, he was a really nice guy, really great experience, reminded me a lot of kind of the old urban even today, kind of current Tesla experience. It's not really high pressure. It's very educational. Um, it's not really trying to poo-poo or look down on other brands. Um, they just want you to go electric. And obviously, they'd love it if you go with Rivian, but they were even interested in, like, hey, if you go with Mercedes, we get it. Uh, just get an electric one. So I, I thought that was kind of cool and really uh, good experience. And that was something my mom really had um, had a positive experience with because we'll get to another uh, dealership experience down the road that wasn't as positive. So we start driving the car, and what was really interesting to me was my. Uh, we decided to have us both test drive it. I'm not really in the market, but the Rivian R1S is just something I've kind of looked at in the past and something that's been interesting to me. So I get in the back. My mom's the one that test drives uh, drives it first, and I've been kind of interested. But it was funny sitting in the back. I was like, wow, the materials are nice. The seats are really comfortable. I actually got started getting really amped up about the car. I was like, oh, crap, now I'm going to want to buy one of these things. And we start driving it, and I kind of notice after we've been in it for a few minutes, my mom is driving it, but she doesn't seem very excited to be driving it. And so I ask her, like, what, what do you think? And she kind of responds, and she's like, you know, it just feels kind of boaty. And from the back seat, I didn't really get that experience. So that kind of surprised me. And I got... In the uh, we, we pulled over, and then I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go to drive. And I started driving. I wouldn't describe it as Bodhi, but it also surprised me. It, it felt more disconnected than I thought it was. It just, 
it wasn't Bodhi, and I, maybe disconnected isn't the right word. I just driving it, uh, especially in normal mode, really was kind of. It, it's interesting that that is what they have it in. It makes sense, especially if someone's coming from like a traditional combustion vehicle. Uh, I, I thought it was like really slow, and then they put it in a sport, and of course, then you got the acceleration of like an EV that I, I've been spoiled with. But the overall driving experience, still from a steering perspective, and a couple other things, I, I. Honestly, kind of both of us were surprised after it all. We just kind of felt like that's not it. Um, even though there were a lot of really great things about the car, we really liked the software and stuff. But one of the interesting things is we started talking to them. And what, my, my mom would ideally like to get an electric car, and especially one that has dog mode because she has a, a few dogs. And so uh, he's like, yeah, uh, the, the salesperson we were working with mentioned it did have dog mode. So my mom thought that was a big plus. But then we started asking about other things that we've kind of been spoiled with, with either the Tesla or even in some of the Mercedes competition. And we did kind of consistently get this thing. It's like, no, we don't have that yet, but that's coming to software update, um, which probably is. But at the same time, um, I, I feel like early Tesla was really good at, and nowadays it's not as uh, good as far as like the, oh yeah, I'll be a software update. I'll be there maybe in a couple of weeks a month. And it does happen. And we've seen this actually still uh, happen with Rivian. But it is one of those things like, okay, we're looking at the car now and it's something, uh, some of these things are things that we really want to have and like. And since it doesn't have it today, it's kind of what we have to go off of. Hopefully and most likely it'll be added down the road. And I'm trying to remember what a couple of those things were. One of them was um, some map functionality. But there were just a couple of small things like that. Having said that, totally get it why people like the car. Um, and I'm really happy for them. But we... I think went in with really high expectations and both of us kind of just walked away with kind of meh. Um, and we're surprised by that. We still love the exterior and we thought the interior was really nice too. But uh, other than the looks, the rest of it, we weren't as really happy with. Um, I, I think we did agree that it was quiet, but not like super quiet. Um, and there were some, Kind of interesting. I, oh, and one of the things I remember was like seeing the music functionality. I was asked about Apple Music, and they said that'll be added as a software update down the road. Um, it just it was a few things like that. It was kind of cool to see the R1V, I believe, the Rivian Vamp. They had a few of those, and it was really cool that they pretty much had all of the different uh, car exterior colors as cars there. Of course, they had it in their little um, kind of sales area to see what they look like, but to actually see the cars in person was really nice. And then they even had, obviously it's not a common thing, but one of the versions they have, I think is really cool that they have something so unique. And one of the things that my mom liked about the Mercedes was this really beautiful brown leather interior that they offered. And with Rivian, they have this um, pretty wild green leather and brown wood. Um, it's very earth tones and stuff. It's very unique. And since she was thinking of going with a green car, she's like, you know what, I would never get this otherwise, but green exterior with the green interior could be kind of cool. And so they did actually just happen to have one car, um, and the guy was able to get it right before a service person took to drive it somewhere. And so it's kind of cool to see that exterior, and it is cool, but I think we even decided, like, yeah, we probably would just go with black or something, just uh, keep it simple, even though I just thought it was such a unique and cool thing. I Maybe personally, I would have gone with the green interior if I had a green car, but it I think my mom also appreciated that they had it, but it wasn't for her. Um, and so I think that was our biggest thing that we were kind of uh, surprised by. Uh, overall, great sales experience. And one other thing that's worth mentioning is my mom wanted a test drive one a lot sooner, but previously you had to put down $1,000 
to even get a chance to test drive it. And that was something that kind of rubbed my mom the wrong way, understandably. Um, and I think especially so now that we had test driven, I would have been really annoyed to put a thousand bucks and then kind of walk away with my overall experience of it just not being that, um, what I expected it to be. It just was, in some ways it's good to have a boring car when you drive, but it was boring in kind of the wrong way. Um, and I know something of that size, it's not huge, but it's kind of Tahoe-esque. It's big enough that I expected it to not be super sporty, but I expected to feel kind of more from it other than just kind of the acceleration excitement you get. Other than that, I, I just didn't really get much from the experience. So we go to lunch, we start talking and we realize, well, uh, that was pretty cool, but and we really enjoyed the sales process and the people we work with, but clearly the Rivian's off the list. And then we start kind of talking about things and she knows and loves the 1987 Defender 90 I have. And she's like, yeah, I've always wanted a Land Rover. We can't talk about that previous one she looked at. I was like, yeah, that, that was pretty, uh, a cool car. I mean, personally, I'd get a Defender versus our new Range Rover for a few different reasons. And we start talking like, well, let's just go to the Land Rover dealership. And she had been aware that Land Rover was looking at making, uh, they they kind of sent out this, like, I think they even posted originally on YouTube, but an announcement that there's an electric Range Rover coming, but really no other details other than maybe we'll see it later this year, but it's not supposed to come out till next year at the earliest, I think. So it was pretty vague, but it was immediate. We decided, you know, let's just... And I, I mean, for me personally, I haven't uh, been to a Land Rover dealership in a while. And so I was just curious to see if they had any of the classic defenders like I have and just what they had in general. And so we drive over there. And I think immediately one of the things that stood out to us was it definitely felt like a traditional high-end dealership. Um, not that the Rivian one was bad. It just had more of the kind of like a Tesla. It was like high-end but new. And this one, I mean, they had a person there making cappuccinos and all sorts of stuff that you could get, which I'm sure works the salespeople advantage quite a bit. But it, it was just, it was a nice experience. And we met a sales guy there who um, I, I kind of mentioned, I, originally he just asked us if we had any questions. And at the time we didn't, we were really just there just to look. We really didn't think it would become as much of a thing as it did. And then uh, I started talking to one of the sales guys, kind of a gentleman, super nice guy, originally from... Uh, the UK, I want to say, or at least lived in London for a while. And then he finds out I have an 87 Defender 90 and pretty quickly he, we kind of start talking and he's like, okay, so you kind of know your stuff and all this. And as we're walking around or just kind of talking, it's a large, uh, we were in the inside area and there's obviously a pretty large parking lot, but the interior had a lot of cars in there. And so my mom's kind of looking around and she sees the new generation Defender and I like both of them. Obviously, I'm a little partial to the classic because I just think it's kind of beefier and kind of the new ones that look a little too toyish. But um, she starts looking and she's like, you know what? I really like the 110. And we asked him, does that have an electric version? Of course, it doesn't or no even announcement about it. But he's like, and so, and, and so uh, she's like, okay. And so she just kind of keeps walking around. I figured we would be leaving shortly, but I just kind of kept talking to the guy until she told me she was ready to leave. I'm talking to the sales guy for like another 15 minutes before uh, I see my mom again. And some other person had let her in because she got locked out from walking. I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that. And she's like, so can we test drive a car? And that really surprised me because I, I thought immediately just because I know she liked the looks of them and she really loved the colors. 
And this is what uh, stood out to me, but really ends up standing out in this whole process, was just how many different colors that Jaguar and Land Rover had for their cars and trucks of all kinds. And the colors they had were by far uh, the most options and the most beautiful, in my opinion. Um, they had reds, greens, blues, blacks, and they didn't just have one of each. They had a few different versions of each. And I there was very few car, uh, colors I just didn't like in general, even colors I normally don't like, um, especially some of the browns they had were just awesome. And so we actually go, uh, end up taking a test, and she had spotted this one brown uh, Land Rover Defender in particular she really liked, and that's how she ended up getting locked out because she wanted to walk closer and check it out. But then uh, she said, yeah, let's test drive on the Defender. And I was like, oh. And I thought at first she wanted to do the two-door one because that's what we kind of looked at when we first walked in there just because it's kind of the smaller kind of cute style like I have. Um, but she's like, no, I want a, I want a four-door, so let's, let's do the 110. And immediately what was clear to both of us was we love the exterior design. We actually really like the interior. But it, it was obviously much more luxurious than the classic Defender. But it was also much more a truck. And kind of, um, or maybe I should say SUV, but it had, it just was tough and it had a, the grab handles. It had these things that were just like, not, they were, maybe you could say luxuryized, but it wasn't a luxury vehicle. But it was very nice and pretty well equipped. It obviously didn't have all the gizmos and gadgets, but it had all the gizmos and gadgets that were kind of important to my mom, which were really uh, heat steering wheel, ventilated seats, a lot of stuff that was common, but. Even though her car had all sorts of things, because it had a wood steering wheel, it couldn't be a heated steering wheel. And that's one of the things that, that was the only thing that really annoyed her about the car, which is kind of funny. But obviously now, um, especially with this new generation Defender, it's still, even though it looks kind of toyish on the outside, it's still a very capable off-roader. And the interior for sure has become much more Range Rover-y. And so it was still really nice and we liked it and we drove it back. Um, but as much as my mom liked the styling of it, she was like, hey, it's just a little, it was a little too big. She was like, if anything, I'd like to go something smaller. And she was kind of looking at these things. And in the end, we were there for a, a few, a couple hours, at least not a few hours. And by the end of it, she's like, you know what? I think I want to get the, uh, we looked at a few different ones and it was really the Range Rover Discovery, which kind of surprised both of us that she landed on that had the right size, right functionality, right options. And, um, Price-wise wasn't too bad, but it also surprised both of us, actually, how expensive the Discovery's got. Uh, we're almost the Defender now. Is kind of be, uh, I mean, the Discovery is the entry one, but to find an entry entry one is a lot harder than it is to find like an entry price Defender or in that ballpark. They got up pretty quickly in price. Um, and her ideal budget was mid to high 70s or 80. She could go higher than that, but that's like what she really wanted to spend. Um, and then could go into the 80s uh, for sure if needed and maybe even higher than that. But she really wanted to kind of get a deal because she had been also hearing about how sales were slowing, especially with electric vehicles. And she realized this was an electric vehicle and she felt really bad about not getting one. But she, there was just everything she really liked. She liked the style and the interior and the functionality. She really liked the Land Rover. So we leave. It's probably about six at this point. We go get sushi and we kind of talk about it. And we both were pretty pleased and pretty uh, pumped about the experience, but we kind of finally say, why don't we go to the Mercedes dealership the next day to go talk to the person that you had been working with and just kind of look at the Mercedes electric. And this kind of turned out to be a whole thing <laughs> and not in a bad way. But what was interesting to me was first on the way there, I didn't know that the 
Maserati Ferrari dealership had actually been moved to pretty much right down the street from it. So as we're driving, um, I, I was like, oh, this is essentially a couple blocks away. And I was kind of jokingly saying we should go look at it. But as we're driving by, I noticed like, oh, those look like Defenders then. Not the um, new ones, but kind of like the classic boxing ones. And then really quickly, I was like, oh, those are Ineos Grenadiers. And my mom's like, what? And she she just thought that they were just Defenders or maybe that was some version of them. So we drive past them to look at it. Like, no, these, these are uh, their own brand, which I forget the specifics. But long story short, uh, the Ineos Grenadier is kind of... I mean, it's been kind of called the Defender uh, 2.0 because it is very uh, chunky and kind of got those hard edges like the classic Defender. And long story short, what happened was there's some, I've been told an oil baron, but kind of an entrepreneur in the oil space, uh, oil and gas space, that wanted to buy the molds, I believe, from Jaguar Land Rover for the old Defenders to make a couple for himself, yeah, which is a pretty big flag, so it would be pretty cool, I'd, I'd admit. Um, but Jaguar Land Rover said no, and he's like, okay, how about you just make me a few more of them? And they still said no. He's like, okay, wait, screw it. I'll make my own company. And he started Ineos Grenadier. Um, obviously, very, I recommend Google it, but very based, very similar to the Defender, the classic Defender. And he, in fact, gets sued by Jaguar Land Rover for being kind of a trademark and design infringement and all this stuff. He ends up winning the case. And so they've gone into production, and now they I knew they were being shipped in the U.S., but I didn't know that there were any uh, locations on the West Coast. Maybe I figured there was one in Seattle or maybe the L.A. area. But I guess this Maserati Ferrari dealership also, if they didn't have, if they weren't officially a dealership, they at least had a couple there and some information on it. So we, we just checked it out, and quickly, it obviously it's a really cool truck, and it's much more like the classic Defender where it's about going off-road and being utilitarian than luxury. So... I thought that was cool. I think it was interesting, but it was clearly not a competitive thing. And obviously they don't have the electric version. So we go to the dealer, uh, Mercedes dealership. And this is where I found out this whole backstory where my mom went the first time and had a really great experience with this one guy named Brian. He was super uh, charismatic, super educational, kind of took his time. They went on this test drive with the EQE and uh, she really liked it. I was like, okay, that's, that's great. She goes back and she wants to talk to Brian and they're like, okay, yeah, we'll go get you Brian. And some other guy comes out and, cause, and it was pretty clear because uh, the first Brian was about her height, a little, maybe like six foot, a little taller. This other Brian was much taller and she's like, she didn't really say it, but she's like, no, this isn't, or I, I think she did. And she's like, oh no, I was working with a different Brian. And it's like, well, do you know his last name? And she's like, I, I'm not off the top of my head. It's like, well, there's five Brian's here. And to be honest, if I was in that situation, I would probably not be going by the name Brian anymore. I would have just come up with a nickname or something to make it a lot easier. But yes, there are five Brian's there. And coincidentally, when we drive up, um, we start kind of looking at the cars on the lot. And even then it stood out to me how many of the cars are either gray, black, or white. Gray, black, or white. Occasionally there was a blue one, but it's pretty much gray, uh, gray, black, or white. And like one red one. But that was it with a couple of like blue ones here and there. And one guy starts coming up to him, and my mom just kind of leans over and was like, that's the Brian. That's the original guy that helped me. And it did for sure turn out his name was Brian. And I immediately asked for a car, and I took a photo of it, so we just had it for future reference. But that was just funny. I was like, why don't you just have a nickname or something else? But anyway, we get in the car, and or we, we start looking at the cars, and we go through um, one in particular that my mom had been following, actually. 
that had been on the line. She wanted the blue, uh, I think it's called Twilight Blue, they did. And it's a really beautiful color, but it turned out they didn't really have that. But they had this one with the brown interior she really wanted. And that was also beautiful. It was like, and it was a black car. So she's like, yeah, whatever. If it's black, that's fine. But just really want the brown interior. So, and he's like, yeah, it's been on the lot for a few months at least. And so uh, they just had that December to remember, whatever they call it, uh, holiday event. It's still here. They must be, they probably really want to get rid of it. It's a 23. They've got 24s getting on the lot. And so we're like, okay, let's, let's, sure, we'll give it a test drive and see if we can get some sort of deal on it. And I get in the car. It's nice, and if you're familiar with the new Mercedes Electrics, they have something called the Hyperscreen, which I'm not a big fan of, and this one doesn't have that. And it turns out now only like the really high-end models have that. And that's fine with me. I actually think it looks better with just those standard um, uh, screen and then kind of a traditional dash around it for the most part. And uh, it's it's nice. It drives kind of like how Mercedes would, pretty light, pretty soft. Um it was really nice, but to be honest, I expected it to be a little bit quieter and made me ride a little bit softer, but it was still a very, clearly a very nice car. And they, one of the things they wanted to show me is like, well, it also has rear wrist, which I knew, um, but it'd been a while since I'd really driven anything. I really hadn't driven anything that nice with one. And so we did, and that was one of the perks about it, my model like, and I don't even think it has the full 10 degrees. I think in this version, it only had five degrees. But it was wild how much of a difference that made when we did a U-turn that it just whipped around like nothing. Um, and so I was like, I get it. This is pretty sweet. Um, we can test drive other things, but if this this seems to be the one you want, this is what you're interested in. It's not the color one you want, but like they always say, the used car factory burned down last week. And so you kind of have to get what you, you if it's already built, you kind of have to go with what you want. And so we start kind of looking at it, looking at other options. Um, they really, turns out they can't really knock down the price at all. They're pretty hard on the price. The people we're dealing with, especially this one, Brian, really nice guy. Uh, and I guess this one was also interesting was my mom started working with the other Brian the second time she went in there, but he was like starting to say stuff against Tesla and other car companies. And it was just like, she didn't like it because one, she's just a very positive person. She doesn't like kind of talking uh, negatively about other people. So she didn't like that. He was kind of poo-pooing other brands. Um, and especially kind of the Tesla side. She just didn't like that kind of more, some might say traditional sales, car sales experience. But we're not really having that issue. The issue we're running into is one, they don't seem to be interested, like they knocked maybe two grand off the price. So it's still like 90, it's like 93,000. So it's a very expensive vehicle. Um, it's not the color she wants. And we are like, okay, do you, if we're going to spend that much money and it's pretty much you could custom make it at that point. It's like, well, we could custom make one and they might be there in June. And really, to be honest, my mom's not really, there's no real immediate rush. She just wants to get it before it becomes or needs to be an immediate rush. And so she's like, okay, maybe we kind of do that. But the soonest it might get there was June. And then she could do her own colors. And they actually had a really beautiful emerald metallic green. And um, if you've never followed them, I highly recommend the YouTube channel Juice Motors because they're a UK, a UK Defender Kind of resto mod, but just they do amazing builds of classic defenders um, for being either super off road or kind of making them more kind of all of purpose or on road. And they recently did a Defender 90 in this emerald green Mercedes metallic. It's such a beautiful color. Uh, we later saw a car in that color. I was like, ah, that's the color I would probably get just because it's unique and it's really beautiful. 
but they also had a really beautiful brown metallic that they had for one of the cars. But of course, it's the AMG EQE, which was at least like 130000 so way out of the price. And to be honest, my mom was even kind of fine with just the base one. She didn't need the speed or anything like that. It was still going to be faster than her current Mercedes. So it just was really interesting that we start working with them to find a car. They don't have anything in their dealership. They start going through their dealership network. They don't have any car in blue. and Or they have cars in blue, but the only interiors they had were kind of this gray. I think it's white. It's technically gray, but it's like, I would say more like off-white than like a traditional gray. And they also have a gray. But it was interesting that the majority of their cars are, as I've said, black, white, or gray. And they have very few cars of the EQE in this color. You pretty much do have to custom order at that point. And even then, you can't, they've been sitting there for a while and they weren't really budging on price at all. And it, it was just a really odd experience. And so my mom was kind of like, you know what? Uh, let's, this is good to know. If I'm going to spend almost this money, much money anyway, I'm not going to buy one on the lot. I'll just have one custom made, which I, is what I would do too. If you're going to, you might as well just get the exact version, exact colors you want. And so that's kind of like, okay, well, we figured it out. It's probably going to be now either the brown or this, I think most likely to be emerald green with this brown interior, which will be a beautiful car. And like I said, it handled really well. It drove really well. It's much more of the traditional kind of car experience. There's like even a start stop thing that I didn't even like, I kind of forgot about at one point where I was trying to get it to go. And I'm like, oh, you got to do this thing. And so this, I know has already become kind of a long story, but this is where we're kind of like, okay, we go get lunch. It's a lot of money. It's more than she wants to spend, but in some ways it works better because she's also got some things going on financially that she's like, well, if I'm buying this, it actually would be better if it's probably the second half of the year anyway. And that's where it would kind of be nice. Okay. If I design this, it doesn't get here till June, July. Yeah, whatever. But it's still 95000 That's a lot of money. And I was like, yeah, I agree. But you've always wanted, you've always liked your Mercedes. You have them for 10 years. You're going to spend a lot of money. I don't know. I mean, it's probably not the financially wisest thing. But it's like you're all, the, the delta between what you're spending and what you want, what you have to spend to get what you want and what you're getting, it's almost just like you might as well just do it. Um, and normally what she does anyway is she usually finances a car, makes maybe payments for a year or so, and then just pays off it all at once later anyway. So it's like, across the board, not that big of an issue on the price, even though it's more money than you want to spend. And we kind of keep talking at lunch, and I was like, you know what, uh, we've been looking at cars that you've won all this time, and it turns out, uh, I think they've got the new Tesla Model 3 Highland at the Tesla dealership um, off McAdam, which is kind of like Southwest Portland. And she's like, do you want to go look at it? I was like, oh, sure. And I was kind of joking. I was like, nah, we don't have to go. It's like, well, let's go look. I was like, okay. Um, and so we go there. It turns out they don't have uh, the Model 3 Highland at that location. They have it at the new Tiger location. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. But I guess they were getting one the next day. But while we're there, in the dealership or in the showroom, they have a brand new Tesla Model X with the red, ultra red color, which is a beautiful color. And that was actually what my mom had looked at specking it with. I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. She, uh, we start kind of sitting and playing with it. One of the salespeople comes over and helps us, someone I had known and kind of helped uh, with the car I bought previously. It was, he was pretty good. It was, I wouldn't say high pressure, but there was like occasionally there were a couple things you would say that were a little more pressure and uh, looked down even on the Mercedes a bit, which I get it, but at the same time, it's like, 
Person, it's good to have options. Um, personally, I think I like the layout of the Tesla, but I wasn't a big fan of the whole new drive thing. Um, you can use the physical hardware thing, which is once I showed that to my mom, she's like, oh, I would do that. And um, that's what she ended up using. It really wasn't that bad, but it's just a different thing than having to swipe on the screen. So we start talking, and she really likes the new interior. I thought it looked so much better than that old, the old Model, uh, Model X interior and what they have now. And we kind of start talking. We hang out there for maybe 30 minutes, and then we leave. And we keep talking about it. And she's like, you know what? I did a, a test drive like a year ago. Why don't we just do a new one? And she's like, yeah, maybe. Or she, we were kind of going back and forth. It's like, you test drove it before, and you weren't that impressed with it. Or you just, it wasn't enough for you to do it. She's like, yeah. I was like, Honestly, it seems to be now with her experience and what just seeing it again, it's like it's either going to be the EQE or because the Model X is about 15 to 20 grand cheaper, a red Model X. And I was like, well, why don't you just test drive again after we test driven all these other vehicles anyway? If you're going to spend that much money, let's just double check. So the next day, and this is where the Cybertruck and the Highland come in, we actually um, go to the wrong location. It's their new location. And they're still actually doing um, in the Tiger Southwest, really Southwest uh, Portland metro area. They're still doing it out of the mall location, which was their first location in the whole uh, Oregon area. But I think they're actually going to be closing that out soon. And what was, but we get either way, we go to the wrong place, but it's only a five minute drive. We get there a bit early. And not only do they have the new Model 3 Highland, which you can sit in in the showroom, they actually have the new, well, the new, the Cybertruck. And that was really fascinating because it was uh, roped off. So you couldn't touch it. You couldn't get in or anything. But I have to admit, um, my mom and I, and technically my mom does have like a, like I said, my stepfather has a reservation for one. I think it is actually technically my mom's name. And so the plan was when it came out, he would probably get it. And then my mom would trade in her car if she had already and get a Model X. I don't know, something like that. But that was ages ago. But we were both surprised at, it in person because it looked so much better in person. I couldn't believe it. Um, I really, I, I always thought it looked pretty good from the front, but even from the sides and all this, it really surprised me how much, not only did I like it, but my mom even liked the looks of it. And for even from like directly on the side, which I thought was its ugliest dimension, seeing it in person and seeing it at eye level, it didn't look somehow, did look triangular. And it actually looked really good. Uh, which really surprised me. This The overall look had kind of grown on me over the years now um, compared to when I first saw it. But seeing it in person was pretty shocking um, how much I liked it and how much also, surprisingly, my mom's looking at this EQE and a Model X, which um, exterior-wise, I don't think are great-looking cars. They're very egg-shaped. And then this super kind of aggressive triangular thing, she's even, and it, I mean, it's definitely still different from the Defender that we looked at, but she was saying it, it was one of her favorite designs and she really liked the look of it. And I think the best way I can describe it, especially being in the showroom, especially being roped off, is like, it's like looking at modern, I, and I, I know I've experienced this with the last, uh, car before, but the last time I can ever think about having a similar experience was when I accidentally came across the Concourse d'Elegance in Tokyo, when I was, uh, Tokyo, actually maybe it was in Kyoto. Um, I've just been in there for vacation and then randomly it was going on and we were at this one. It was at a Japanese castle that it was actually going on that we were just taking a tour of anyway. I was like, well, screw it. I'm here already. I'm going to go check these cars out. There are all these beautiful classic um, Italian 60s and 70s and British, like in my opinion, the best car design era ever. 
of European sports cars, rare, like Zagato, uh, Asimara edition, all this stuff. It was amazing. And that was years ago. But like, this was the first time since then where it's like, you're going to see cars and it's like a art exhibit. It's you're appreciating for its beauty. And the Cybertruck really was like looking at, Hey, good or bad. Um, but it, it wasn't like, I thought it was incredibly beautiful. I didn't think it was like, and then, but it still looked a lot better than I was expecting, but it was truly like, looking and going to a modern art exhibit and you just see the cyber trucking. I literally would, we looked at it probably for just 20 minutes and we would just walk around from different angles and look at it. And it would just shock me. I was like, this thing looks a lot better. It's just so weird. And so unique. but at the same time, it looks a lot better than I thought I would like it. And in a lot of the photos and videos, the back of it looked horrible in person. It's probably, it's still its worst angle, but it doesn't look as bad as I thought it did. Um, somehow I think it just, Instead of like looking up at it and where it makes the back look so big, just naturally you're kind of looking more down on it. And so the back proportions aren't as big and off as it seems like in a lot of the photos and videos. Um, so that was really, I think, my favorite part of the weekend. And kind of biggest surprise was like how much I like the look of it. Um, I am very envious of the fact that it has this, as they were even promoting there, the rock chip proof class. Because that's an issue I've been dealing with. My stepfather has been dealing with at least once or twice a year with his Model X, where the glass is much larger and needs to be replaced too. And uh, one of the other things was my mom liked that it had the real steering when she found out about that, because it is clearly bigger than anything we've been looking at. Um, closest was probably the Rivian, and even then it was still a little bit, a little bit longer than the R1S. But she really liked the fact that it had rear wheel steering. I was like, well, if it's this big anyway, it's going to be able to handle a lot better, uh, more like the Mercedes, and then the R1S did. We're like, well, okay, well, that's funny that this is now maybe an option, but either way, it was clear that she was either going to do the Model X or Model uh, or EQE Mercedes because of size and just functionality and just use case. And then coincidentally, right next to it was the new Model 3 Highland. I didn't get to drive it, um, but just sitting in it and looking at the new materials, I think it makes it look a lot more premium, high, higher end. It's obviously it's still like an entry premium vehicle. Um, and I think, I think the model three already was a great value. And now at the price point that it's at and when it does it to me is still a really good value. It's probably not. And I, I mean, it's been a while since I've even been in an entry, um, uh, three series or four series or even kind of like a four, a three from Audi and so on. Um, but my thing, even with those cars is, I think a lot of car reviewers always talk about like, oh, the Mercedes this and that is better, better equipped. And this, there's a huge price delta when it's equipped uh, in an equivalent matter for one thing. But the other thing is so many people, especially in that entry uh, Mercedes and BMW uh, trim, get the basic trim because they want to just get the brand or they want the steering of it. And in my experience, the average Tesla is usually better well-equipped and specced than a lot of the Mercedes or BMWs. And people don't realize that because like when you see these people testing and so they're testing like the fully loaded versions. And so I, I just thought, yeah, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I totally get it. There, there's definitely a difference. And, um, but for the price and the money you're getting, I think it's Tesla really has cemented itself pretty well in the premium where it's not luxury, uh, but you get a performance and a premium I think steel for the value and the, the performance it offers. Um, but yeah, so Cybertruck, Model 3 Highland, both really surprised and delighted by, I guess you could say.
And I've always enjoyed, I got a chance to drive uh, the last gen Model 3 long range just through uh, Cornwall, kind of southwest UK, a couple summers ago for a week. And I loved that thing. That thing was perfect for kind of the European roads and the B roads and C roads and uh, the UK. And I think this new one would be just as good, if not maybe slightly better. But I, I love the exterior and the interior updates for sure. So um, we went on the Model X test drive. And the interesting thing was, on this one, and this was also an interesting thing, is when we did the Rivian test drive, the salesperson came with us. When we did the Mercedes test drive, the salesperson came with us. But when we did the Land Rover Defender test drive, they just let us take it. And when we did the Model X uh, test drive, they came out to the car with us, kind of showed us a couple things, but they let us drive it. And pretty quickly, what surprised us was it was for sure, it wasn't as quiet as the Mercedes, but it was by far the closest thing we've driven quiet-wise. Um, it was much more competitive with the Mercedes, uh, interior quietness wise, but it also turned out to have the best steering. We, um, it wasn't obviously the Mercedes with the rear wheel steering and slow speeds could turn tighter, but this new Model X turned definitely tighter than the old one did. Um, or at least maybe there's something wrong with the one they have, but it turns tighter than that one. But more importantly, it was just the actual steering driving feel was just a lot more fun, which is crazy for how big and heavy this thing was. And I think it was more kind of a sporty steering that I'd hoped that the Rivian would have when you put it into its sport mode, but it really didn't. And I didn't expect it to be super tight or anything, but just more feel and more fun than what it turned out to be. And with the Model X, um, even though it's still a big thing, we were just both camera friends like, yeah, just something very kind of good or bad that tests the driving experience. So it's uh, kind of more like a BMW and just you point it somewhere and it goes there. And so that that was pretty fun and kind of, the surprise thing was like, well, if we yeah, if we don't go with the Mercedes, it'd be the Model X, and it kind of surprised me. Just I've never been a big fan of them. The interior and the sound and the audio quality of the new speaker system was really nice, and that's what was crazy. Now it's probably not the same as like the high-end Burmeister, but pretty quickly, or and a lot of these EQEs, you just get a Burmeister sound system, which was pretty shocking. Um, now. It's probably not the same quality as other upgraded sound systems along the German cars, but it was we listened to it, it was still really good. And getting in the Model X, the sound system in that was also really good. And I think that's what kind of blew me away. It's like, you know what? The Model X is different. It's not as good as some of the German equivalents in some areas. But once again, for the price, and overall, it's a lot closer than I expected it to be. Um, and... It was still my favorite handling of the three cars, even though they're all big and heavy. So it's not like it's going to be super sporty, but when you need it to kind of darting in and out of traffic, it was really good. Um, and so there were a couple of things. Obviously, the removal of turn signals, I even kind of struggled with. I had to look down, which I, um, I wasn't even against the idea of them getting rid of the turn signals. It just was silly to me that they both had left and right turn signals on the left side. So you have to look down to see which is which you're tabbing. After a few minutes, I realized, I think it was the bottom one's right, the top one's left, so I got that. But like in Ferraris, I mean, obviously a much different car, but a lot of high-end sports cars have gotten rid of turn stocks for, and this has been for quite a while, what they do is the left turn signals by your left hand, and the right turn signals kind of the equivalent space by your right hand on the steering wheel. So now it's really natural to go right or left. And I think a lot of people complain about this, but if you're using, um, especially in Ben where I live, there's a lot of roundabouts, and if you're using the turn signal like you're supposed to, and you're actually supposed to signal before you turn anyone. So it's really not a big problem. However, when you're going into a roundabout, 
it's different in Europe. The way you're supposed to do it in Europe, and it's because the roundabouts are smaller, you're actually supposed to signal which way you're going to go before you go into the roundabout. Because the roundabouts are so much bigger and you don't have the visibility from the other side, you're actually supposed to signal, at least in Oregon, when you're leaving the roundabout, which one you want to take. So that's about the only situation where, depending on where your hands are on the wheel, it would be a little more awkward. But it'd be a lot less awkward if they had the left one where the, your left hand is and the right one where your right hand is. I don't think they're going to do this. But I would love to see a software updatable option where you could replace, I think it's like the mic uh, audio, if you could actually make that button become the right uh, uh, turn signal and then the right turn signal on the other side just became, like it just essentially, even though it says it on the hardware, it just switched the button and it would make it such a better driving uh, thing altogether. And then getting rid of the park reverse neutral drive, uh, we just found it so much easier to use the things by where the inductive chargers are, the physical kind of backup buttons. And honestly, that's probably what I would do too for a lot of the time. I just found that so much easier. So I realized this game uh, a little bit longer than I thought would. I think our big takeaways was um, for value, for the better deal, my mom would go with the Model X. If she had her choice and price was an object, she'll probably go with the Mercedes. It's still TBD. I think um, she's probably going to go with the Mercedes likely. But um, it was really funny. After we did the test drive, they asked us if we had any questions. And we're like, yeah, no, we're pretty familiar. And immediately my mom goes, do you have the better glass in the Model X? And he didn't know. He, or he thought he, uh, my mom meant like the acoustic sound glass. And he's like, yeah, we have a better uh, sound dampening. He's like, no. Or, and so my mom's kind of like, oh, okay. But pretty quickly, I realized what she was asking about was in the Cybertruck, where it had this new, essentially, I'm trying to remember what it is. It's what the I want to say it's like silicon borate it's something with silicon boron and one other thing but it's essentially gorilla glass it's more or less what like in phones is now what they're using on the Cybertruck's front windshield so it's much stronger and so my mom was asking if they had brought that over to the Model X because of how many rock chips uh, they had been getting with their Model X and he was like oh no we haven't but it was just funny that that was the only question my mom had is like she was much more sold on this new version of the Model X and honestly so was I um, but the big thing was like, you know, we get so many rock chips with that front windshield and due to her light sensitivity, um, that's part of the reason she doesn't like light interiors. It just reflects too much into her light, uh, into her eyes. And her biggest gripe with the Model X is the fact that the windshield goes above you and it just lets in a lot of light, but they do make a, uh, essentially mesh cover you can put over that, that. I'm not sure if it's enough, but it seemed to make it more likely that you could get the Model X. It would just be nice if they did something really cool like uh, adaptable glass where it would change the, or I'm trying to think of what that's called, but essentially the, electri the electronically adaptable glass where it goes from being fully opaque to transparent. It's something I have would love to see on Teslas for a long time now, and I thought they would, but they still haven't. So I, I think the big takeaway was the Tesla Model X turned out to be a lot closer than we thought to the Mercedes as far as being a competitor. It's probably the next one if she doesn't go with the Mercedes. And the other kind of big surprise, no offense to anyone that's a big ripping fan, I still think it's great brands. I still think they're great products. I love, I'm happy for people who are happy with them. But I think that was also the biggest surprise is that just was more of a disappointment than we thought. Or not even disappointment, just it was more, we thought it was going to be a much bigger contender and much more uh, better experience. And it just kind of, meh. So, um, 
I will have an update when she finally decides what she's going with. I think she likes that the Mercedes is just a little bit more classic. She knows what she's dealing with, and there's still stuff that needs to be set up, but she figured worst case, she can always ask me when she gets it. Um, and she'll probably be doing the same with the Model X either way. And she also realizes, uh, and this is something I criticize a lot of automotive journalists about, is they always like critique the new um, interior, especially air vents, where it's like the ones you have to manually set versus like being able to physically grab them. And there's some truth to that, but my big thing is like with most of these modern cars, once you've set it, especially since you can save it to a profile, you don't have to change it again. And car reviewers kind of complain about it because they're always getting different cars and they're having to set it every time, which I get. But in practicality, it's actually really nice to have features like that, that once you set it, you don't have to really touch it again. Because, for example, uh, my old Super Outback was a great car and really good when I bought it. But the more I had it, I had the traditional adjustable air vents. And what would happen is they would just start to dra uh, kind of droop. And so it'd be really hot out. Again, the car, I want to blast the AC. I'd aim them at me. And then over a few minutes, they droop back down. And, they would be, and I'd have to be like adjusting it every few minutes. It was really, I mean, it's a first world problem for sure. But it's one of those things that was really annoying and just makes it kind of less safe to drive because you're looking, taking your eyes off the road. And I think with a lot of these electric cars, there are kind of these one-off functionality things that uh, do make the experience better for the owner, but maybe worse for people who aren't either as tech savvy or used to the technology. And then also for people like a car reviewer that has to kind of hop in and try a different car every 10 minutes. But uh, the other big surprise from all of this was how much we thought Cybertruck looked cool. Um, and that was kind of a funny experience just to see, like I said, it literally was like going to a modern art exhibit and we would just walk around and we'd look at it from one angle for five minutes, kind of talk about what we thought was cool about it. And then we'd go to another angle. And I just, the last time I can think of anything was when I was at Concourse Elegance and it was literally essentially the same art experience where you're trying to look at these cars from different angles and just appreciate them. Um, so that's the big and still undecided um, car shopping experience. And I think the other big takeaways is just like, it's clear that dealerships still have so much to learn about educating on electric vehicles and trying to figure out the simplicity of CCS versus Max and what that is. I mean, the car we, uh, when we were at the Mercedes place, they were even talking about Electrify America as a discount. And even before I say anything, my mom's like, yeah, that's useless. I, I don't want to charge there. It's too complicated. It doesn't work. And I was like, it's pretty funny that my mom even says that versus like a person that doesn't, uh, who doesn't really drive at EV that frequently. And for other people who might hear that and get sold on it, but, but it's just not going to create an ideal experience. At least right now, I hope that changes, but. I thought the Mercedes dealership overall did pretty good with um, positioning and selling electric vehicles, but there was just, it was still interesting that there were a lot of gaps and it's just one of the challenges. And this kind of goes to the second part that I wanted to cover, which is around now having um, in my car, uh, being able to set a service appointment, schedule when it was, schedule what the issue is, have it all taken care of in about 10 minutes. And now next Tuesday, I'm just going to go in and they'll replace the class. And I've got a video coming about that with more details, but it is just one of those things that just makes the experience so much simpler and easier with kind of the Tesla when when you do have an issue, or it's not like it's a problem with the Tesla, just a fact of life getting rock chips. Um, it is just, well, how easy it was to schedule, get it all figured out, get it approved by insurance, because just for my own curiosity, I've been going through Tesla insurance. Get essentially all approved and ready to go, and then I'll go on next Tuesday, they'll swap it out, to be done and move on. Now, some might argue, 
since they're not a professional window glass, is could that be an issue? Um, potentially. I did notice when I had my glass swapped with them last time that there was kind of a weird rattle at first that was new, but it has since gone away, so I don't know. But it, it just kind of, once again, it's an interesting time with kind of the pros and cons of having it all done by one company. And so, I mean, I think it'd be one thing if it's like the X or an S, but I, I've got a feeling with the frequency of 3 and Y, they have that probably more downloaded. But yeah, for an X, I'd really be skeptical of that one huge piece of glass and getting that dialed in right. Um, so yeah, I'll have an update on that soon, and there's going to be a video kind of posting how that's gone, what that experience is like. And then finally, just to recap, um, going to and uh, playing with Tesla's full self-driving, as they call it, it's definitely not that, but um, it's just super fascinating for me. I, I totally understand it's not ready for most people, and most people don't need to buy it. I don't think it's worth the 12 grand. I think the what's known as enhanced autopilot for six grand is expensive, but that might be more worth it for a lot of people. And it's kind of on the more expensive side and becoming less uh, competitive than it was just a couple years ago to other brands that have kind of the auto lane change. I think there's even some cars now that offer it for uh, just come standard with it. But for like a lot of the luxury cars, it's still an option. And if it for it to be standard, you're still buying a much more expensive, much higher starting price car to just get it standard. But um, overall, it's very fascinating. There was one example where, I know I don't think my wife would be comfortable with it, but just from my own experience with kind of autonomy and other technologies, I had I uh, set it to go back to the place I was staying and I turned it on in this parking lot. And I realized unintentionally, I kind of set it to be about maybe 50 feet from a which was the way we drove in, but it's actually not a way you can drive out. And the car started going like it was going to go out that way. And then I realized, oh, that's not the right way. We can't get, I can't, uh, that's a one way. And it figured it out. And it's like, kind of when you see these moments, you're like, that is a pretty, I don't want to say ingenious, but it, it is just, well, it's like when you see a puppy or a, a baby, like see something for the first time in the world and kind of like you see the kind of um, gears start turning this realization of what it needs to do or what this experience is. And it was kind of weird to just see that with your car and it, learning like, Oh, I can't, uh, I can't go that way. And it, it was, it obviously had a couple um, moments where it was like on the fence and not sure what to do, but then it pretty confidently and quickly made it. Um, at other times it does the wrong thing. And it is something you have to pay attention to. I am more of the, uh, mindset that, well, I understand that this is in beta, even saying it's in beta is kind of rough. It's probably more like alpha um, in some regards. But I, the big part of the reason I did this again was, one, just to test it because it's been about a year, and two, their uh, fully neural net version should be coming out, in uh, which they're referring to as V12. They've said in the next month or two. And as someone who's been following it, telling me and kind of had some exposure to it professionally uh, over the years, I've always thought a fully neural net, uh, which for those who aren't familiar uh, to explain it is essentially instead of writing the lines of computer code, you have the computer and the driving system almost experience, whether through real world experience or through um, simulation or just throw, this is probably the most common case, just throw a bunch of video at it and it learns what to do in these situations. And so in a lot of ways, it's actually much more similar to the human brain 
And that's what's so interesting about this is Tesla had like 300,000 lines of code. And then some of those elements were actually helped with neural net and video kind of comprehension to make certain aspects of the self-driving smoother. Whereas this version essentially gets rid of 300,000 lines of code. And it just learns by itself. And it's kind of spooky and it's kind of wild. But to me, that makes the most sense when you look at whether it's the end-all be-all, I don't know, but it, it seems like it's got to be definitely a component to get to a truly full self-driving vehicle. And whether it's Tesla or someone else, I don't know, but I'm pretty convinced that that's going to be the way. And I've been watching some of the videos online where it's obviously not perfect, but it's become much smoother and less harsh and be able to kind of critically think about what needs to be done. And so I'll be actually posting more videos uh, fairly frequently now on our YouTube channel about drives I've taken with the full self-driving in our Model Y and what I kind of my commentary on what it is. Um, I'd say majority of the time or over not, it's impressive, at least to me, what it's doing. I think the big takeaway is it usually makes the right decisions, but it needs to sometimes think through or make those decisions sooner. Uh, like with a human driver, especially one that knows the area of where it's driving, which um, is interesting to see when you see other people on the road. And I'll talk about it in a second, but it needs to know which lane it needs to get into earlier to plan for maybe a off-ramp or a turn. It does that pretty well, but it would be much smoother. And I think a lot more people would feel more comfortable with it if it did those certain things sooner a lot of the time. And then there's other times where it does something weird. And so you do have to kind of watch it, but I get some people are freaked out by it, but I am more of the mindset that you need to be for sure responsible with it. But I'm glad that people have access to it. And I think Tesla gets all the flack, but they're actually far from the only one. I was even talking to someone yesterday about how a friend of theirs has uh, access to Comet AI, which if Tesla's Apple in the full self-driving and EV space, Comet AI is definitely the Android or kind of homebrew hacker style, where it's essentially a uh, video system that you can install yourself into a car if it has, if it meets certain hardware already in the car, and then this will take over and do a lot of the driving, at least on the highways for you. And I think they're starting to do some uh, city stuff, but it, I think even if the car never becomes full self-driving, it's wild to see what it's already learned and doing. Um, because the areas where it, more often than not, the areas where I've had to interact or kind of hit the accelerator, do something to change it is because it's following the law too closely and human drivers don't. And I think that's what has brought, and I've also just seen so much, is like human drivers doing kind of what would be technically illegal or the wrong thing to do. Um, for example, with the, one of the NHTSA things, which is probably the right thing to do, but has kind of caused awkwardness is it comes to a complete stop at a four-way intersection. And you just realize how many people don't or how quickly someone either stops and goes. And whereas this kind of comes to a nice gradual stop, but then cars behind you are going, wait, you're actually going to a full stop or kind of causes other weird things like that. Or you'll just see like the car is trying to do the right thing, but because of the unpredictability of a human driver, it's now made it harder to do what it's trying to do. Um, or had it known that humans are unpredictable to realize maybe it should have made those attempts to make a lane change or whatever sooner. Um, and it, it's just really fascinating because it, I think it's good that people have exposure to it. I totally understand. I totally agree that it's, it's a lot of ways it's not ready. But at the same time, it just shows how bad it actually does do a good job of showing how bad human drivers are because you're kind of so much more now in tune to some of these things. 
And I'm, I'm just really excited to see if this version 12 of the fully neural net system is as big of a game changer as some of these people have been saying. Obviously, most of the people who have been exposed to it are either at Tesla or very pro-Tesla people. So I'd like to have a little bit more uh, open-mindedness to whether it's right or not. My guess is it's still not ready for prime time, but will be a big step forward. And I'm kind of curious. I haven't had my wife be in the car with this version, which is 11.4.9, I think of FSD, but I know she really didn't like the one we had when we just did the monthly thing of it last year. And so what I might do is I might wait till I get 12 point whatever. And once I have that in the car and then have her be in the car and turn that on and see what she thinks of it. And my guess, if I'm being honest, is she still won't like it. Um, but she might be much more comfortable with it if it's driving as smoothly and picking out a lot of the stuff as what I'm seeing online where you're not, it's, you have the option to give it control of the speed and then it, instead of being so robotic or going to certain corners really fast or other things, it's a lot better about that. I will say since I've driven it last year, there is definitely a lot more things it does as being so hard to follow the rules of, of speeds where it'll kind of adjust and has a bit of a flexibility because of how it'll see like traffic is going. Um, so it'll go a little bit faster than the speed line, which I think is actually the safer and right thing to do because sometimes it would go the speed line and then you're just getting passed like crazy because everyone's doing like 15 or 20 over. In reality, by it going 10 over, then it's not being people coming up right on your back and all this stuff. So it's been a really interesting experience and just want to give the update that we'll be sharing more of those uh, on the YouTube channel ours. So it, it's been pretty interesting and I'll have more updates, but uh, I, I think, like I said, my biggest issue is been that it's better, but it still isn't fully like a human driver kind of making sure, especially a human driver that knows where they're driving as opposed to somebody who might be driving for the first time, making some of these decisions while in traffic or even on road settings a, a little bit sooner. And so I'll be posting videos of those soon with kind of my commentary and it'll be interesting to see if you guys find this interesting or not. Let me know if you do. Um, but with that, I, I think I've, I mean, it's already been almost an hour and 10 minutes, but just to recap, we're going to have some really cool um, interviews in the next couple of weeks. And we'll be back to the one-to-one -one interview uh, set up soon. And we'll be doing these on uh, releasing new episodes on Wednesday. We'll also hopefully be trying to get to later in this year, two episodes a week. And, or at least I would like to, but that will probably require some uh, additional support. So we'll see how that goes. And then, um, yeah, I just want to share the recent car buying experience. It was just really interesting to me. If anyone has follow-up questions, please let me know. And if you didn't like this episode, also let me know. But it was just really interesting how, and just to recap, with the Mercedes dealership, it was like 90% of the way there. Just like my mom could almost get exactly the car she wanted, but it was 90% of the car. And it was so much more expensive that just like, okay, if I can't get nine, if I'm going to have to spend all this money anyway, and it's going to take all this time to get the a 90% car, why don't I just spend like two to three grand more and just get the car I actually want and just wait six months. Um, and so it was probably the best. It, it just really interested me that it was a good experience, but at the same time it was really frustrating and like, we're almost there. Why can't we just get across the line and buy this thing? And that was the frustrating part about it. I was like, no, we just have black, gray, and white. Whereas the Tesla was also a good experience. The car itself was like 90% of what she wanted, but she could get one quickly and in, she had multiple color options. But with the Mercedes thing, it was such a more struggle, to, uh, or such a greater struggle to get the car she truly wants. So 
Uh, with that, I'm going to wrap this up. And I hope you guys tune in next week for our one-to-one uh, interview because it will be a really exciting and fun one. But with that, thank you for listening and talk soon.